0: I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God,
1: than have them grow up under communism and one day die a new woman. Welcome back to the Left is Dead. Uh, I am your host James Carey, here with the other host, uh, Jake. Jake, how you doing, man? Hey
2: man, host number two. I'm pretty good. Uh, oh. What? How are the um, How are the farm animals doing over with there, in Pontiac? There's no farms out here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pontiac's a city. Uh, I thought you lived on a farm. No, fuck no. I'd never live on a farm. No offense anybody lives on a farm. I would just never live on a farm. No, okay. I, I live okay. in the suburbs. It sucks. No, I know. I know you didn't live on a farm. But. Pontiac, though, I don't blame you for not recognizing it as a city, because it's like, I don't know, probably the downtown area is like maybe a square mile, and there's nothing in it, so... It's a dot on the map. But either way, I do not live on a farm and I won't let that go on this show. (laughs) Anyway, but what's new with you, man? Not much, man. I've been kind of. uh, Watching
2: Biden? Yeah, a little. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I've been kind of out of the loop. I've been overwhelmed. Nothing to see. Yeah. And so it's like a combination of like, it's like I took this opportunity to just kind of, you know, check out of the news for a little bit, Yeah. God, I mean, it would just reached a fever pitch in from November to January. And um, I mean, I figured this would happen, but once the, you know, the show ended, there's now we're kind of in this like uh, reaction moment where the right is trying to figure out how to proceed and take an oppositional stance and the left is, I mean, the left is kind of, has the ball right now in terms of setting the agenda. So
1: oh, the liberals do.
2: Well, the liberals do, but, but for the first time, uh, you know, there, there was zero chance of any of enacting any leftist policies under, under Trump. And to be fair, there's only like a 1% chance now, but, <laughs> okay. but there's still that 1% fair chance because theoretically, you know, they, they do control the House and the Senate. And we're going to see the first real test of this with whether Sanders, the Sanders wing of the party, can force through this $1.9 trillion reconciliation stimulus package. And it looks like they're going to try and do that. Uh, and which, you know, it's about time. Use, for God's sakes, play hardball. Use, use the rules
1: of the Senate to, to push through what you want. And, uh, well, you know, the, what trump did appeal to everybody again they don't yeah. you want that money that's what trump was good at
2: yeah um yeah you he, like, he's a salesman at heart but he, yeah you know, so he but part of that is lying and whatever you have to to, never admitting fault and anything like that right I mean, but he's way better at it yeah it's about being out of the limelight
1: i mean it's 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 he weird but- fucking disappeared man no oh, he did he's not yeah he's, it's crazy uh, no rally no tv appearances nothing dude like yeah i
2: know i i mean getting kicked off of twitter was a huge part of that i right. think the, the lawsuits by dominion and uh the other one i think had the 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 it's really come uh, the it's come home now like the i don't know if you saw the newsmax clip of uh, they had the, the my pillow guy on and he was spouting all the conspiracy nonsense, and that the host like literally shouted him down, and ret- and like issued like legalese on air, st- st- stating that Newsmax does not has not found any evidence of, you know, like they they got the fear of God put into game. Uh, I mean, I guess a billion dollar lawsuit. Yeah. But uh, it, it's it's incredible the extent to which um, these conspiracy theories have no uh substance to them like as soon as there is threat of like a civil trial with a discovery process they're like oh yeah yeah there's literally no way we can prove any of this so
1: you know well that was the story of how alex jones was banned they know better right you know alex jones was banned for fucking um disputes with like the sandy hook families and fucking airing lawsuit shit on air you know yeah yeah he was so, putting out fucking information about his trial on the radio and like threatening the prosecutor. They know right. they can't like have that shit on air too long or they'll fucking be gone, just like InfoWars is.
2: Right. And I, I guess the biggest thing from this week that we should get into is uh, the GameStop thing, which I mean, I've never ever had so many friends tweeting about the stock market. And I mean, it really became like a, you know, people learned what short selling is for the first time. It's just, uh, it was, it's kind of, it was kind of, I mean, I definitely kept up, up with it. I thought it was interesting, but sadly the game stop shares have already plummeted. Um, I don't know where they're at now. Well, I, I know that say-
1: they had dropped. So, I'll say two things. One, GameStop is genuinely worthless as far as like, the capital it produces it's not worth anything near like what people were pumping it up to sure of course not 2 it well i got three things i guess two i get the urge to fight the short sellers and the hedge funds and shit like that yeah but three the valuable lesson i think was learned here was um you can have as many trading apps as you want you can even have a broker but it doesn't matter because the system will fucking shut down trading if it has to it right. will completely protect itself and insulate the large traders against retail traders. So, if anything, I hope what people fucking get from this is, it doesn't matter how much like people power you put into a market solution. That's just not a thing that exists, you know? Right. That, yeah. You can't win that way.
2: Yeah it, it it's a it's a rigged game. It's like a carnival. Like the games are rigged. It's it was cas- just
1: yeah. It was described somewhere as like not just a casino, but a casino where they can change the rules mid game.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, there's already, it's already, the mechanisms are already set up to ensure that the house can't lose. And then also, if I like, lose, and someone, some genius comes in who knows how to do fucking five dimensional card counting, they can just change the rules
1: all of a sudden if they want to. Yeah. Exactly. The rules of poker don't change, but the rules of the stock market can change any fucking day. That's right. a bill. That's a exactly. bill that'll go through Congress in a day. And yeah, that's basically what it's like. And
2: that, that's basically how this this crony capitalist system is set up. Is that if you compare it to a poker game, it's basically like saying even if the small even if the small guy gets uh, a, a, a straight flush, all of a sudden the dealer can say, "Oh, actually, no. This time the a full house beats a straight flush." You know, like they can. They can they can just like change one people.
1: queen it doesn't matter yeah they it can be always,
2: anything they can always yeah and and i think i guess the more people see that i guess it's a good thing for that to come out into the open but it's also like i don't know like this is kind of like a, i love i always use this metaphor i like it but like a an earthquake like you want to you know release pressure gradually so that you don't get the big one and i feel like that's what the system is able to do with things like this is they're able to see, oh, shit, this could be a huge problem. Let's pass some legislation and oh, yeah. make make sure this can never happen again. That's what I mean. What's going to happen?
1: If there needs to be an SEC lo- regulation or a straight-up law passed, that'll get done incredibly quickly. It'll yeah. get done with m- Republican support and majority Democrat support if it has to. You yeah, know, That's definitely the... No matter what, even with, like, Biden pledging that he wasn't worried about, like, market reactions to his COVID stimulus, he clearly is. And they clearly, you know, and they're also clearly dependent on the fact that, honestly, short selling and financial mechanisms like that make up the majority of this fucking, like, financial market. Most of it's a scam. So you can't start throwing a wrench in, like, the scams that actually prop this shit up. Because those hedge funds and the venture capital funds and the private equity firms those things that just like swallow garbage and sell it off like those are the um you know those are like the backbone of the sort of neoliberal reaganite economy like the financialized economy from the 1980s till now
2: absolutely and 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 yeah the I mean, that's really who is behind the scenes at all times controlling, you know, if you want to talk about a deep state, it's the, it's the invest, it's the high finance investor class that really is ultimately what is always protected.
1: Right. Like some of the fucking short selling bets lost in fucking the GameStop debacle you know those were picked up by like these stocks are being picked up by like BlackRock and shit and these shorts are being repurchased by fucking bigger capital firms right it didn't go out of business which is just another consolidation of power and i
2: think that like a a good thing to remember here is like i know what this is being like presented as a a robin a real life robin hood type Mm -hmm. thing of of the working class learning how to use the tools of the capitalist yeah. system to get them back. Really, what this was was the like like sort of rich amateur investor class like trying to stick it to the super ultra rich capitalist class. This really this this really wasn't what it, Reddit nerds. Yeah.
1: No offense. But it was like Reddit
2: nerds who who aren't. Who probably have a lot of disposable income to work with, and and basically yeah, they're nerds. They saw Reddit. an opportunity to do something cool with with short selling, and they probably been waiting for a chance to do something like this for a while.
1: Reddit uh, is an extremely like liberal, uh, like professional middle class platform at this point because of everything that's been banned. You know, uh, it wasn't just the Donald. It was, like, leftist subreddits and things like that that were all banned, and they were banned under the guise of, like, hate speech and stuff. The so liberal has be or Reddit has become, like, a very, like, the major subreddits are bubbles, essentially. Mm-hmm. It, because they've cut off a lot of, like, you know, in their attempts to cut off legitimate hate speech, they've cut off a lot of other speech, too.
2: Right. Yeah, it's, it's funny for a platform that it took them like five years to ban like child porn, but in in a a matter of just a few years, they've, they have this, you know, full scale banning process, which, you know, I go back and forth on, on the banning um, of, of, of speech online. Typically, I feel like a lot of people arguing against that civil libertarians, like, Glenn Greenwald, I think, sometimes get a little hysterical on that, Um, but obviously, yeah, it's a slippery slope.
1: I Uh, think, yeah, I think Greenwald's problem is who he like protects from free speech. Right. The guy lives in Bolsonaro's fucking Brazil, and he'll be talking about like Republicans who can't tweet anymore.
2: Right. Yeah. I. I. It's incredible to me. The, the the game he plays and it's i mean he really like jumped the shark i feel like to an incredible degree he has so much hostility and bitterness in him towards the establishment left-wing media yeah that, he, that he's the he guardian would, he would yeah the guardian the intercept he, he's constantly talking about like the salary that Rachel Maddow gets, he's constantly like, I swear to God, I've seen him tweet about the salary of mainstream media news hosts, like half a dozen times, at least like, he's just upset. Oh, yeah. And I feel he's like right it, they're overpaid, but of course he's right. What but are you going to do about it? It's like, I, it, it, it feels <laughs> like it's less about, uh, I don't know. I just, it, it feels like he's constantly, um, I don't know i am trying to summarize my thoughts on Glenn Greenwald. He's a c- contrarian at this point yeah yeah time. yeah that's the word that's the word he yeah it seems to me like he i always know that people like him and michael tracy and aaron mate <laughs> i always know that they're gonna have that whatever like leftists on twitter yeah. start raving about i know that they're gonna have some contrarian like bust out to that like it's Michael always- Tracy
1: has the worst takes and anybody who doesn't follow him should
2: no Michael Tra- I, I I've followed unfollowed and followed him again <laughs> like five times because I I'm I'm always just like he's just hilarious to me he
1: appears weird. yeah it doesn't matter if you unfollow him because he appears on like Facebook and shit because right. his takes are so bad takes
2: are so <laughs> comically bad that it's like a, a, a it's like rubbernecking like I can't help but look at it uh, okay. But then after a while, I just get sick of it because I don't, it, it's annoying to me that this guy is so popular. Him and like, like Jimmy Dore, it's a kind of a Jimmy Dore thing. Like it annoys me that these fucking contrarian white, like leftists who just fell ass backwards into like some kind of like popularity windfall are being looked at as like the arbiters of like, uh, you know, uh, left-wing thought online it's just crazy to me
1: no they don't know shit about left-wing fucking theory or anything like particularly that.
2: tracy like jimmy
1: yeah.
2: at least acts like he's interested in leftism michael tracy just literally he just he's like the the movie goer who just like walks into a theater and then when people start laughing he goes ha, ha, just to like make them feel like <laughs> shit about laughing at something
1: yeah right. yeah he's cool to watch i think his latest feud is like he's mad that Uh, Brianna Joy Gray won't come on his fucking podcast or whatever he does. Like, dude, she doesn't care about you. That's why he got mad because she tweeted like, "I don't know who this is." So of course that like upset upset him because you know, like you said, they have these cult followings. Yeah. What's that other asshole Vouch or whatever? I haven't. Yeah, I haven't bothered to learn anything about him. I just know yeah. he's another fucking piece of shit.
2: I don't know that one. but yeah, uh,
1: well, There's a lot of cool ones on Twitter. There's a lot of well, good left takes on Twitter, too, but there's a lot of bad ones.
2: There's a lot of really bad ones. I think left Twitter is like a, a train wreck, to be honest. But
1: Well, there's um, also lib Twitter, which gets involved, and, in like, ESA Twitter, who are still kind of libs sometimes. You know, it's hit and miss.
2: And we're going to be getting more into that now that we're kind of Still wiping the taint of of Trump. <laughs>
1: that's a that's a funny. I like, hear yo, man like, Gross.
2: The taint of Trump. No, no. Uh, eliminating the the odor of Trump off of us. Uh, you know, we're we're trying to dig more into like actual leftism. Uh, yes, yeah. so we'll have more takes on that. I think we have a, a guest today. That yeah, let's segue into
1: that out. here. Um. We're going to be talking to my friend Arturo, who's a socialist from Mexico. He's also a lecturer um, in Germany, but um, we're going to talk to him about, uh, well, we're going to talk to him about Mexico, actually, about AMLO, the president there since 2018. Um, Arturo's party was part of the coalition that elected AMLO, uh, although I think he's been disappointed in some of his more recent moves because he has made some mistakes with like Trump and you know uh in my opinion he's made some mistakes like renegotiating NAFTA to basically the same thing with Trump and sure. um no, that that I mean you gotta admit though he was put in a really difficult situation oh yeah yeah absolutely and in Mexico's in a tough spot 24-7 uh yeah so, so I get it yeah you don't have much choice dude if you want to keep shit flowing over the border and you know, your people eating at this point. The whole system's been set up all fucked up. You, and we'll get into that because that state,
2: not from collapsing, it, it was a remarkable feat to a certain yeah, extent.
1: Yeah. Getting into that, and I, because I want to get into, you know, what Trump did with NAFTA was basically reassert uh, the neoliberal status quo with Canada and Mexico.
2: And Which now,
1: is, yeah. Now we have status quo Joe from the fucking party that made NAFTA back in office. So I'm curious what the differences will be between uh, the Trump administration and Mexico, and if Biden means like some type of reset or if Biden. The not, great reset, bro. Not that kind of reset. Just a regular fucking new president reset. No secret conspiracy. But, it's curious uh,
2: to me that Trump was ever able to countenance this idea that he was dismantling NAFTA or that he was correcting the free trade errors of the 90s and what Clinton did, when obviously Trump isn't doing anything different, that he wasn't doing anything different than he, that.
1: Yeah, he just wrote in tech companies because that wasn't in the original bill,
2: Yeah, or in the original
1: yeah. treaty. It was basically like a, a more American-minded TPP. Well, that's that's what the TPP was. It was written by all the corporations that wanted to do business in Asia. Right, but Trump was against the TPP. Yeah, but I mean that doesn't really matter. He he was against it out of principle for right. fucking Hillary and like Obama being for it. Right. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It was a strategic mistake on American Capital's part. That's why, you know, all the media was mad at him for that one because it was supposed to lock down the trade and it asia pacific rim and um you know lock out china but that didn't happen and now after covid china's coming out on top from what i've seen
2: well also tpp was gonna make it to where like uh like corporate tribunal councils could overrule like national sovereign laws but that's
1: already like wto courts and shit like that
2: yeah
1: yeah those exist
2: that's scary shit though
1: yeah those exist because i mean the wto has been in they were in dispute with like um i think maybe it was ecuador or something down there over like a a gold mine that the government wouldn't let them you know they blocked the this i think it was like an australian or a canadian company's rights to it because of the economic impact and they had to go to a wto tribunal
2: No, but Yeah, yeah. No, they can overrule corporations. What I'm saying is WTO can't um, basically void a law passed by a a sovereign country. Like, let's say a country, let's say like Bolivia wanted to outlaw mining of precious minerals or something like that. Um, If they passed a law like that, these corporate tribunals from TPP would have been able to actually overrule that country's national law.
1: If they, well, then don't sign on to it, uh, you know, but that was, but the thing is the WTO would still take you to court and sue you for lost profits that hadn't even been made yet based on like an estimated value of your natural resources. Yeah. You know, so it's wild either way. All right. So we're going to be talking to Arturo in a minute and we'll give you more information on his background and stuff when we start the next segment. So we will be back in a minute all right so we are back with part two of the left is dead with our guest arturo arturo how I, i've never actually had to say your last name
0: <laughs> Hi James, my name my last name is Gallegos.
1: Okay. Well, I'm just gonna keep with Arturo for now. I'm really That's bad. All right. <laughs> all right. um so I brought you on here because you have a lot of experience. Well, you are why don't you talk about first what, what you do for work, but also your party and ideological affiliations.
0: All right, first of thank you for for the invitation. Uh, I'm really happy and glad to be with you guys. Um, I've been been hearing uh, some of your podcasts and uh, they're really interesting. So uh, my name is Arturo Gallegos. Um, I come originally from Mexico. I actually come uh, from the border region with the United States. I come from Baja California. So I I bet you guys know where it is. It's uh, just down below California. And I come from a from a border city. It's called Mexicali, which is uh, around uh, one and a half hours away from Tijuana, uh, in, at the border with San Diego. So I grew up there, and um, I I'm very close to to the American reality. Also, I uh, living uh, besides uh, the, one of the richest uh, states in the in the United States. I I I really also know uh, how. How the American um, way of life is and the, and the conditions of the working class there. And, and since I also have a lot of Mexican friends who are born in the USA or are uh, immigrants there. So I, I kind of have contact to, to all those kinds of people. Um, unfortunately, uh, I haven't been that much of an active player though, there or, or, or I don't, don't really know that much of, a, of organizations in the, US, in the United States um, besides the Communist Party of the USA when which yeah, yeah. with them we have, we have, we have some, some um, <clears throat> relationship in our party. Um, and that's, uh, that's why I, I was very interested in, in getting to know you guys uh, from, from, from your background because you, you see, I, I didn't have that much of a content, uh, contact with uh, American organizations. So I am a member of the Popular Socialist Party of Mexico, PPS, uh, Partido Popular Socialista de, Mexi- de Mexico in Spanish. And it's a um, very old uh, party. Um, It started as PP, popular party, uh, not to be understood in this uh, new uh, right wing (laughs) meaning of popular, but more like a not a populist, but a popular party, like for the people and stuff. So this party um, started. uh as uh, as more as a um, workers unions kind of of organized party and then it became uh along the way uh, into marxist leninist so my my mom and my grandpa were were members my mom's still a member and um i grew up in the party I, even uh, as i was a little kid i was kind of like a, inside in the in the in the pioneers organization like like the kids organizations there and then the youth organization, and then I move on to the, to the party where I belong to the International Relationship Committee and the Propaganda Committee of the party. And then I moved to Germany a couple of years ago because of my studies, because I, I studied law in, in my home city. But then at the same, at same time, I was learning German. So when I finished my my school my law school, I went to Germany to practice, and then I met my my nowadays wife, my German wife. So I, I made a master in law in Germany, and, and now I'm uh, about to get my PhD degree here in law, and I live here uh, uh, since almost four, four years now, and I'm I'm working at. Um, at the university, it's called Frederick Schiller University and a law faculty and I teach, I teach constitutional law uh, from Spain and from Latin America. I mm. kind of like specialize myself into uh, constitutional stuff and, and, and um, di- direct democracy issues, referendum plebiscits, and so on. And uh, I also work at the local, um, you will call it consul probably the consul, consul fraction or, or group of the left party. So I kind of like, like uh, work in the office for those guys for the, for the consul members uh, of the city uh, with, the, with the fraction mm. of the uh, left party which is called the link Die Linke in German which is more like a Euro communist party. Um, I'm, I'm a member of the German communist party DKP yeah, But I work with the left uh, um, council members of my city, uh, Weimar. Uh, maybe you have heard of it because of the Weimar Republic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like my background. I, 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 I'm a member of two organizations, let's say, uh, German Communist Party and the Popular Socialist Party of, of Mexico.
1: Well, I'll say to start, um, that's much more organized than any party up here. <laughs> so that's a lot more organization and a lot more um, actual like civil engagement than any party up here. But of course, most left parties up here, because their chances are so low in our elections, they typically defy electoral politics. Yeah. But as as far as your party in Mexico goes, though, so what is it like a Marxist, Marxist-Leninist party at this point, or what is the ideological basis?
0: Yeah, you're right. It's a Marxist-Leninist party. Um, so, uh, to get you guys a, a little background, this party uh, started more as a. The, or founder uh, Vicente Lombardo Toledano was uh, one of the, one maybe the biggest, uh, union workers uh, leaders back in, in in the '40s, '50s, '60s in Mexico. Uh, he was the 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 one who organized the C.T.M. Uh, central. Uh, uh, labor uh, organization in Mexico, CTM, and uh, back in the day mm. when when the government of Lázaro Cárdenas, the guy who who nationalized the the oil industry, mm-hmm. was in in office, um, Vicente Lombardo was a like a a consul to him, and okay. because he was the 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 president of this of this un- trade union who was the what that was the biggest in in Mexico. He kind of like supported the president to get um, the workers behind this nationalization of the oil industry. So they got a good relationship back in the days. But the problem is that um, a lot of people don't realize that Mexican post-revolutionary time was more like a zigzag. Um, Everyone assumes that Mexico post-revolutionary was more like a decadence, like a, a fail, uh, attempt of a revolution. Indeed, it was a, a bourgeois revolution, but it was more like a, a anti-imperialist revolution and a and, and nationalist one. Right. But the problem is that, that this revolution had their op, uh, its ups and downs. You see, like uh, sometimes it was very nationalistic, even anti-imperialistic and some, and in some regards, even socialistic, so- Socialist. But in, in in some other times it was very reactionary and 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 at the end of the day in the 90s came this um, neoliberalistic um, takeover of this project, which ended with uh, almost 40 years of neoliberalism or 35 years of neoliberalism. Yeah. Right. So the thing is that in in between this time, um, the Popular Party, which started as a as a a um, it's a trade unionist, yeah, trade unionist policy yeah. An alternative uh, evolved to a socialist marxist leninist um, organization because uh, himself vicente lombardo moved towards these um, uh, positions so we had kind of like a crisis of course every party in the world had the crisis of the 90s nice. uh, and we had also had our splits and everything and, and something like that but uh, or or wing remained it in Marxist Leninism uh, and central uh, uh, democratic centralism and that's why we also had kind of like a split with a reformist uh, wing but uh, those wings are already dead or are trying to get back to us and that's a good thing I think <laughs> that's
1: yeah and I kind of want to fast forward to um I suppose 2018, because your party was part of the coalition that supported the election of uh, uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador, AMLO, the president, right? Right. So what was, I suppose, what was the thinking behind that coalition? Um, What were the policies of AMLOs that your party was enthusiastic about?
0: Well, it's, it's also very interesting because uh, uh, not only parties and organizations are very dialectic and they change over time, like we see with our party's history and such, but also individuals tend to be very dialectic and they are not the same as they were or they will be the same as they, as they are. So in, 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 in that regard, AMLO, AMLO is a very good example of that because he also was um, chief, city, uh, chief uh, government of the city of Mexico. And at that time, he uh, showed a lot of signs of anti-corruption uh, policies. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, of course, uh, positive. But in this time, that the, because he ran for presidency like three times before, and he got cheated probably like two or three, uh, but um, in every election, he got radicalized because when you're a victim of the system you tend to get radicalized also yeah. and, and and the the neoliberalistic um, uh, uh, time or or lapse in mexico was also very dialectic they started to say oh we have to get a lot of, a, a bit of, a little bit rid of the of the elephant state you see just a little bit uh, selling and privatizing so we are going to be effective and this and that until they stripped the whole Mexican state out of their property and and now we are left only with with uh, um, electricity company and oil company so it, it was also very slight how they did it and they got really crazy in the late uh, 10 less less than years so amlo also got radicalized and he he uh, um, he got a very anti-neoliberalistic program, and his speech turned to be a, an anti-neoliberalistic one. Because back in the 90s, when, when our party still had uh, presence in the parliament, we were the only ones who were saying, this is neoliberalism. Nobody spoke about neoliberalism back in the day. It was like the TLC, uh, TELCAN, yeah. how do you guys cal- call it in, in America, um, uh, the North, uh, North American Trade uh, Agreement yeah NAFTA. Uh, Yeah, the NAFTA sorry yeah you're right yeah. so that was the big thing in Mexico back in the day but nobody said that was neoliberalism uh, but us and everybody was annoyed by us oh you come around with your neoliberalistic again and, and this world <laughs> and whatever
1: right <laughs> so it's yeah. strange because before NAFTA Mexico was on a path to rival the U.S. economy
0: well, yeah. uh, we have very good uh, uh, statistics, but uh, we have to take a look about or, or taking in, in approach that the Mexican state had more than one thousand state-owned enterprises. Uh, we were really uh, um, probably a state capitalism and and towards a real, really um, I wouldn't say it's socialism, but I would say like a a, a popular government. Yeah. You
1: know, yeah national is a nationalist program basically
0: i will say something something close to what nasser was doing in egypt or or something like like the um like gaddafi's probably
1: right i understand yeah yeah so amlo came in i think um part of the thing that probably helped him was the election of donald trump and basically every u.s ally whether it's canada mexico or europe everyone kind of lost faith in the United States over the last yeah. couple of years. So do you think that, and it's funny when AMLO was elected, he was compared to Trump in the media here a bunch. Oh, Of course. Mm. Yeah, because he spoke of national sovereignty and things like that. Yeah. But uh, can you explain like why, why there's a big difference between America demanding national, well, the United States demanding national sovereignty and Mexico demanding national sovereignty?
0: Yeah, well, uh, the nationalism, the Mexican nationalism is, uh, is um, uh, full of anti-imperialistic uh, history. It's not a nationalist uh, chauvinism, uh, nationalist right. approach. Of course, there are a lot of people who are very chauvinistic towards indigenous people or Central American people or black-skinned uh, ba- based people or something like that, but the the Anti-American um, feeling in Mexico and, and, the, and, the, and the nationalist pride—it's it's more. It has more to do with the anti-colonialist uh, approach, which we and you know we endured two interventions of the American uh, army and then two other interventions of French army in our history. So it has more to do with that and the thing that the, a lot of uh, since the NAFTA came in, in, into effect a lot of the Mexican enterprises were privatized by and sold to American American concerns. So uh, this occupation, economical occupation of the country is what uh, a lot of the um, popular base of Mexican society were uh, against of. And, and, and that was what what AMLO was um, proposing and, and representing. And that's one of the reasons that our party got, got along to his campaign because for us, the first step to towards national liberation is or or economic uh, sovereignty, and to get rid of these policies that were implanted to us and, and, and the educational reform and labor reform and, and such, by the FMI and, and WTO and such, and for us that's uh, the first step. And and AMGO is is uh, walking slowly because of the whole the uh, structural problems that uh, that right. the, the state has, but. Um, American American nationalism is based more upon uh, this is uh, exceptionalism that they are better we are better than others and we have to project this uh, hegemony or 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 we are better in terms of uh, comparing ourselves to another nation. Uh, what's
1: ours such. is ours and they're imitating yeah,
0: no yeah, right. it yeah 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 i mean by by Americans, I mean government. Of course, I mean uh, right. people of the United States are are pretty much outside of this of this scope.
1: We have no say in what the Pentagon does. No, Yeah, no. of course. Right, and that's right. the thing. Like when a, a country like Mexico talks about sovereignty, it's in the it's in the context of removing American claws from their industries. Yeah, Whereas ours much. is, we would like to see our industry dominate the planet again. <laughs>
0: You're right, man. You know?
1: You're right. So, Jake, did you have anything? Uh,
2: no, I'm still kind of just listening at this point. I'll, I'll right. have some. I'll have some questions soon. Okay. All right.
1: So, um, yeah, I guess moving more into, you know, uh, I don't know. There was some uncom There was some discomfort here because it was considered that Amlo and Trump were close, even though, you know. AMLO by, and Jake and I talked about this in the intro, AMLO by necessity kind of had to renegotiate NAFTA with Trump yeah, of in course. Canada. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, as that was framed as like him being friendly to Trump, but that mood is now kind of shifting. In fact, the Wall Street Journal had an opinion piece two days ago about how AMLO is now the Chavez of Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. or I, maybe it was Maduro, but it was one of the, it was Venezuela, you know? So now the narrative seems to be shifting, even though here in the United States, we're kind of returning to, you know, the supposed neoliberal normal. How do you think AMLO proceeds going into this, the Joe Biden administration? Does it signal like a actual reset or is this just going to be another move to try and, Hyper exploit Amlo, you know. Hyper exploit Mexico under yeah. Amlo, and we can talk about the um, yeah. parliamentary elections coming up too. Yeah. in a minute.
0: It's it's very interesting what, what you're telling me, James. Because actually, we get our inputs inputs from from each other. Because for us uh, as Mexicans, are really, I mean, everybody is 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 close to American policy in in which way or another. You can also know you you know who's Trump, who's this and that. The big names you know, but the, but the practicalities and the public opinion. Sometimes the slips or uh, slip out of out of sight. Uh, I I I, mean, I have to be honest. I don't read the New York Times or the Washington Post every day just to see what the what the American mm-hmm. government is uh, is opinion on everything. I mean, That's, I get what you're saying It's better for your
1: brain not to.
0: I I, I, I bet it is, but at, at the same time, you also have to know what the enemy is is, is bullshitting around. So, um, but we don't get that to to in. To uh, let's say, um, detailed from from, her. and as as you don't get the 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 arguments of the of the opposition in Mexico, for example, in our in our newspapers, in our ten, internal newspapers, and if I no. if I talk about it, if I tell you a little bit about it, you're going to have a, a, a wider uh, spectrum to to My, to get to your conclusions. For still. example, when 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 Obrador was in 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 America uh, as as the as this uh, tem- Team X, the new the new treaty was renegotiated, uh, I must say that also this um, the president of, of Canada, Canada, this guy, um, who's his Tr- name? Trudeau. Trudeau, right? Uh, Trudeau didn't didn't uh, come to the meeting because you see it, he's very close to the Obama Clinton clan. He's more like a neoliberalistic guy, and he's uh, he also portrays himself as a, as a postmodernist guy who rejects Trump's agenda and whatever. Oh,
1: yeah, he's yeah. an identity, he's a Western identity politics right. savior right. to the max.
0: Right, so Obrador was very criticized, hard criticized, not only by the opposition, but also to, by the ultra uh, left uh, orthodox guys here in Mexico as a sign of, of, of weakness and, and tre- tre- um, treasures because he was renegotiating this treaty because they, of course, would love uh, and would like to see this treaty uh, shredded to pieces. And I also right. would like to see it, but it's not <laughs> practical. It cannot yeah. happen. Not yet. Um, I'll say one thing,
1: you don't want to, as somebody who lives next to Canada, you don't want to ally yourselves with them.
0: No, and I mean, <laughs> the problem is, uh, it's not only aligning yourself to Canada, but uh, shredding this uh, paper is just uh, um, I would say um, isolating yourself to the to the market because your uh, one number one trade uh, partner, whether you like it or not, is America.
2: Right. So uh,
0: if you don't uh, if you don't uh, build another uh, alternative for your trade and your goods to to go somewhere, you're you're pretty much done if you cut uh, this this trade. Uh, the NAFTA is in our, in our way in, a, in the view of our party is like a uh, how do you call it this kind of shirts with long sleeves that they use for the mad people. You see well, this a straight this, jacket. Yeah, like a straight jacket, okay. right? Like a, yeah, okay. because you cannot get rid of this shit uh, so easy. You know, you have to build a base, an economic base. And the thirty years of uh, neoliberalistic privatization stripped completely the Mexican state out of his resources to to build their own productive force and productive base and market internal market. So you're very much uh, a, a a prisoner of this uh, NAFTA and the new and the new renegotiation. But I have to say, uh, um, not long ago, Amlo in in, in his mornings uh, press conferences. Um, revealed that the government of, uh, of Trump was very upset that the uh, Mexican government uh, uh, left the oil question out of the NAFTA, mm-hmm. uh, the new way of the NAFTA and, and remained in the, in the full power of the Mexican state. So it's not, it, it's not including any natural resources or, or at least energy resources. One of the things that the opposition said in Mexico uh, and that was crazy, uh, was that, um, that Trump, of course, and Obrador were friends, and, and they were really into Biden. Like, the opposition in Mexico, the right-wing opposition in Mexico were crazy about Biden because they see Biden as their natural ally uh, in the return of the neoliberalistic policies in America to, uh, of course, uh, um, keep trading with them because, you see, Mexican opposition, Mexican Mexican petite bourgeois is a, a client bourgeoisie of American right. uh, They're imperialism. They're dependent on facilitating
1: things with us, yeah.
0: They, they get rich by selling our country's resources to the American concerns or Canadian or European and just managing the store, you see. So if there's no investition from outside there, don't get rich.
1: Now, one thing I've noticed that it hasn't increased drastically, but there has been talk of more Chinese investment, which, you know, as far as Biden is concerned, China also needs to be knocked back down to where it was in like 2008. Yeah, of course. And um, that's the Biden strategy for China. But I see that, you know, I feel like that Chinese investment anywhere is obviously going to be a target under Biden. Um, I've seen Mexico talk about accepting some. Uh, I'm not sure if Mexico's taken any vaccines from anyone yet they Um, are they are are they taking the chinese ones or are they buying no they're taking
0: the russian so they're gonna pick them up a little bit more
1: (laughs) okay yeah well yeah and then i see also talk of um you know more business with like the states in south america uh as an uh, alternative obviously it won't replace all the business done with the us but do you see like gradual shifts towards this happening
0: yeah, it's indeed happening, and it, and the coronavirus uh, made uh, gave, gave yeah. Amlo a really good opportunity because one of one they of blew the that uh, one. yeah, one of the, the, the most um, uh, present or the most relevant figures in, in Amlo's governments uh, nowadays is the subsecretary of uh, healthcare in Mexico of of healthy. Uh, this guy's his name Hugo Hugo Gattel, and this guy's a, a scientist, a bright guy. And he's been turning to be the face of the government in, in questions of, of uh, pandemic uh, stuff. And he was on a mission, uh, on, a, on a mission by the federal government, to Argentina to get a, a treat a treat uh, with uh, Fernando Fernando. Oh, I forgot his last name, um, the president of Argentina, Fernando. Okay. And uh, they treat him very well, and they got a really nice um, treat for uh, treatment for uh, vaccines, who are being developed, which are being deloved, developed in in Argentina, and they're gonna be in base and and, and um, uh, put together in Mexico. So uh, this was uh, the first batch of vaccines, and now they got a a. Um, uh, arrangement with Putin directly, uh, Obrador called him uh, sp- specifically for this uh, stuff, and they got an ar- agreement on and 24 million of vaccines, uh, Sputnik 5 So, uh, of course, they are trying to uh, spreading the, the market and the relationships with uh, with Latin America. And more, more important or more present now uh, are the chances to uh, widen the, re- the, the political relationships be, with uh, Latin America. Because, like you said, marks are different, markets are different, because uh, we're very tied to the American economy. But the, whatever you can do, it's been done, I guess. But uh, the political relationships, uh, especially to towards left wing oriented governments in right. Latin America, right? Yeah, Cuba, very, Bolivia, yeah.
1: Venezuela. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you you cannot forget that the, the America, the Mexican Army, the Mexican Air Force was the one who saved uh, Evo, Evo Morales from from the Puchistas. They they wanted to to charge him and probably murder him like Gaddafi. They so alf- also the
1: offered air, Assange.
0: Uh, also, protection.
1: so that's what i was so, going to ask you about our
2: yeah. is, is uh the <clears throat> you know i don't know a whole lot about you know uh international affairs when it comes to like how mexico is uh it, you know fighting you know imperialist uh economic policies but one thing i have been paying close attention to is the stuff going on in bolivia and whatnot and so i was going to ask you like to what extent is there like to what extent, like, and I think you just answered this, but the, is, is there a lot of solidarity in ter- between different anti-imperialist groups across different areas of Central and South America, or is there, I mean, you, you just said the Mexican army was was helped with with what happened in, in Bolivia, but like, to what extent are some of these countries like working together right now?
0: That's a very good question. And I get it, guys. it goes to the bottom because um, first of all, I, I, ha- I would like to clarify that, from my perspective, Mexico's government is not necessarily or directly fighting American imperialism. It's, I, I, get the, I get the insight, and a lot of our comrades in our party get the insight that, that I'm always trying to just sail around it, you know, like try not to confront American right. imperialism a lot, but not sailing mid, uh, with uh, American imperialism like, like the governments before did, like... Mexico was kind of like a, almost like a Colombia without American bases. You see, Mexico's policy during the the neoliberalistic uh, time were just compliant to 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 all uh, demands of American uh, foreign policy, just doing whatever America. Um, wanted. Uh, you guys have to uh, remember that one of our presidents, the most dumb of, of them all <laughs> during the university pol- uh, time was um, Vicente, Vicente Fox.
1: No, oh, the TV one.
0: Yeah. And this guy, this guy actually um, was recorded, but by the uh, Cuban intelligence agents, because oh. he called Fidel Castro and told him when the, when a meeting of the, of some international organization was taking care uh, place in Mexico, uh, George Bush uh, Jr asked him to uh, tell Castro that he could not attend the meeting because he was going to be there. He didn't want to see him there. So this guy actually called Castro and he was recorded by the the, uh, the Cuban intelligence uh, um, agency. And he asked Fidel Castro just um, to have dinner and then leave. And that was public in Mexico, they, they, it, went, it went crazy, uh, the, the level of, of, of com- complicity. So um, this government of Obrador uh, know its place, know that he cannot stand against imperialism directly, but it's doing everything in its power to show solidarity, at least in a moral perspective, like in Assange case. I don't think AMLO uh, thinks that it's going to is going to get what he wants, to get Assange free. But I think he's exercising a lot of moral power and a lot of uh, moral uh, pressure in the international community by being the first country that says, OK, if if somebody wants to uh, help him, that's us. We're going to do it officially. Uh, just save it, send it to us. At the, at, at, although he knows that probably is not going to happen. And in the case of uh, Morales, the, the tides are very, are very strange, because we, as a party, for example, we have direct communication with the, with the Bolivian ambassador in Mexico and, and the whole crew of the diplomat, uh, diplomatic agents uh, from Bolivia in Mexico City or, or comrades in the, in the youth organization do, uh, uh, in a, on a regular basis, video conferences with these guys. And we know them very well. So um, uh, Evo Morales has, uh, of course, a, a, a direct uh, line to Obrador and stuff. and. And when he was rescued, um, not only he was rescued, but the, the whole um, diplomatic um, personnel of the embassy were also protected because Janine uh, Áñez, the, the dictator uh, president, was trying to uh, get them removed or get them uh, um, to Bolivia and, and such. And they were kind of like threatened. Also, the Mexican embassy in Bolivia was threatened by the army. and so, so um, there are a lot of, of, of uh, Mexican based groups from other countries, other, other Latin American countries uh, who um, are uh, working from Mexico or at least having a connection with Mexico. We also had a lot of comrades from the FARC back in the days um, in, in our city, in, in Mexico City and stuff. So I think that the connections are strong and they're growing in numbers and in quality ever since the photo from Sao Paulo was inaugurated by... by um, the Cuban alliance with Venezuela and, and, and the PTB from, from Brazil. And and I think uh, um, under this umbrella from, from left-wing orientated governments, also communist little parties or, or organization are growing because they don't have to worry about this persecution of the, of the states.
1: Well, yeah, la- what, last year AMLO took the presidency of the community of Latin American and Caribbean states, right, which is primarily leftist parties isn't it yeah it's, it's also important yeah. yeah includes ecuador but that you know <laughs> that's another story but yeah that's a another like he's not an alba but leading oh. this is still it's a unified organization between like leftist latin american governments and parties which is something at least that i at least the Mexican government is participating in this after the years of like the neoliberal right-wingers. Yeah, you're right. Like you said, Vicente Fox was put on TV over here <laughs> during the election of Trump because he was anti-Trump, you know? Yeah. So the way it, he's at least aligning himself with leftist parties and countries is impressive compared to what the old neoliberal stooges would have done.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing is that uh, uh, Fox uh, repre- was the kind of, of, of politician that uh, Trump was. Like, um, Fox came into power with this popul- populist um, uh, discourse. So for him, uh, this populist uh, discourse represents like a uh, Chauvinist nationalist uh, approach, but he also t- likes to uh, cover himself on, or, or, cover or get a role in, in Mexican flag. So he's the guy who wears boots and and, mm-hmm. and and hats and stuff. So for him, it's more like a like a I will say image kind of fight with with Trump, and that's the thing because of the the whole neoliberalistic um, uh, crew in Mexico it was very very um, uh, reluctant to to um, support Trump because Trump came right. with this anti-Mexican speech and it, it was very very hard yeah. to yeah to get back with him you see like if you say you will say okay trump is our friend and then you see that he's trying to build a wall and whatnot then it will be very very hard to 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 make the people yeah. the mexican people chew on that
1: not only is he building the wall but he's also saying every day how your country is gonna pay for it so
0: yeah that's right and i'm that's
1: sure right. it wasn't that's what i mean that was what i was talking about earlier when like the trust broke with all these allies like yeah we just yeah. he busy. really laid it bare
2: the, the renegotiation of NAFTA, he was using that as a way of saying Mexico is paying for the wall because hey, I'm screwing them over yeah. with this new yeah. you know, trade agreement.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I think uh, the way I see it is um, um, part, partly uh, Trump. Uh, I say it back right from the beginning because uh, I have to say, in Mexico was uh, also a. a a, uh, a um, apocalyptic uh, sense of, of of the times when when Trump got into office, like that was how big the neoliberalistic uh, media in Mexico was portraying Trump, like he was the the new Hitler, he's gonna kill us all in Mexico. Like, uh, now we, we're gonna get it, like uh, how bad America can be to us and stuff. I mean, of course, Mexi- American uh, government was never a friend of Mexico, but I, I didn't see any big difference in terms of this uh, aggra- aggra- aggressivity from Trump uh, in, in comparison to Bush or whatever. So I was telling my friends, um, you see, uh, for me, um, Trump means um, bad news to America, good news for the rest of the world, because uh, his kind of way of politics destroyed all alliances that Americans has. And I I can see it here in Germany. I mean, Germans Germans hate Trump more than Mexicans, I guess. Like uh, the media in Germany is crazy against Trump, uh, crazy level twenty. Uh, I haven't seen any media like that in in in. in but it, it, of course, he's destroying the whole uh, Atlantic Alliance that they have with with uh, Trump and such. So for for Germans. It's crazy, but some Germans were almost crying when Biden come to, to office uh, last week or two, two weeks uh, before they were per- chewing on that, on this discourse yeah. of Biden and, 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 and Kamala, and, and they thought like it was very like the beginning of a new era. It, it was crazy. There,
2: that's, Germany, yeah, that's kind of when it comes to, to people that feel like dictators. I can't imagine why, but they, they don't.
1: <laughs> but well, it's wild to me, though, because the fact that Biden is back doesn't, or Biden and normalcy are back doesn't mean anything long term, because we've seen that Obama and normalcy can lead to Donald Trump. Yeah. So the fact that I think um, Macron in France has taken a kind of different uh, position on this. Where he's talked about rebuilding France and rebuilding France, you know, French interests on their own because they can no longer trust the stability of the government. It's not just that Biden's been elected, it's about what the reinstatement of all the worst neoliberal policies and probably more hyper privatization is going to bring.
0: Yeah, of course. You can see it also in, in Germany, the uh, Merkel uh, under Merkel. Miracle... Uh, we uh, had to leave the, the re-emergence of a proto-fascist uh, party, like the AFD alternative for yeah. Germany. So this is just a result of these neoliberalistic policies. Of course, you're right.
1: I think the AFD too is also a result of just the failure to reintegrate both Germany's. Yep. Yeah, also. because it's mostly Eastern based where things used to be secure for people.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have a a lot of that here. I live in in East Germany, so I know what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, things were kind of, they were never fully reintegrated after, you know, the fall of the wall. But um, I don't know, I suppose, so your country, well, Mexico is taking the Russian vaccine. Uh, A lot of Latin American governments are taking the Chinese vaccine. But one thing that AMLO has done differently Well, I guess not differently from people like Bolsonaro, which has gotten him some negative coverage here, is refusing the lockdowns. And you're in Germany, which, from what I understand, is one of the most locked down places right now. So what what do you think about these two policies? I mean, what do you think of AMLO's position about, you know, the dictatorial powers being used and things like that?
0: Well, the coronavirus had shown us a lot of a lot of, of, of crazy stuff to, to digest. I I was uh, hearing you guys uh, talking to this uh, Kai g- guy, um, K, um, anarchist based yeah. guy, and and then you were talking about some interesting points about the vaccine and the and the coronavirus and and, and how uh, central state uh, governments have been dealing way better than others um, with this issue. And I totally agree. Like uh, coronavirus has shown the um, the best and the worst from from both sides. Um, yeah, in the case of I Mexico, think,
1: yeah, I want to say I think like Cuba and China and like Vietnam, yeah. their massive state responses did curb the virus.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And 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 you have to have also like different scales for different. Develop uh, capitalist countries like right. Mexico or or America or or gober- and and even even uh, idiosyncrasies of the of the peoples because that's a very important question how not only how you perceive your your individual right to just walk in the streets without a fucking mask or whatever but also uh, how does the, the the society instruct to act in public or not to do and whatever and what's your your um uh. Uh, respect to the law and stuff. Um, so, for Mexico, there are two important things that come across with uh, dealing with this problem. First, we don't have any unemployment uh, um, well, money or support for the people, yeah. uh, like like in America or 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 in uh, Germany.
1: Well, we're tapped out too.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> I know how it how it works for you guys, and it's it's, it's shitty. But uh, some people have money there and can just go yeah. there and get some. None money would
1: money. be worse for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in uh, Mexico doesn't exist nothing of this, uh, not, uh, nothing of this kind. Uh, actually, with AMLO, have been the first time that uh, some of those politics have been introduced uh, for two groups mostly. First, for uh, all people, uh, I think uh, over six, 60 years or six, seventy years get a monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, wage, uh, no, no, matter if you are uh, in rent or not. So you get a monthly uh, money, and also if you are a young people with uh, any uh, school enrollment or uh, job, so you won't okay. be in the in the let's say in the in the precarious situations and, and just turn out to the to, to the maf- mafias who uh, um, uh, get uh, young people with them. No, so that's uh, very little, but at least it's something. So the problem is, if you, if you stop Mexicans' uh, um, economy, which is largely largely uh, what we call a non-formal economy, so people selling something at the streets or, or having a little right. business that doesn't pay any taxes or whatever, if you stop this, uh, do you have a problem in two weeks? Because these people live with what they, they earn daily, on a daily basis. And that's the, that's the matter, you, you cannot stop that because you're gonna get the people, all the people against you. And at the same time, you know, that's gonna cause casualties and it's that's, that's gonna cause a, a pandemic problem. And at the other hand, the, on the other hand, you don't have anymore, more because we have, you don't have any more the um, structural base to take care of all these people because the healthcare system in Mexico has been depleted in the last 35 years by the neoliberalistic approachment sell, privatize, and, and what not. So you kind of have not too many options to, to deal with. Either you put on a blockade, who's going to cost the jobs and a lot of uh, income for a lot of people, or you try to um, maintain the economy somehow ro- running until you get the vaccines and, and try to get the hospitals uh, as much uh, better as you can. And I think that's the approach that they're taking. And on the other hand, just to finish the point, is the Mexican is idiosyncrasy. Uh, Mexico has a mo- more um, daily morning conference by the federal government with Obrador and the yeah. the subsecretary of uh, health, Ugatel. Every day, they're telling the people not to go out, not to do this, not to do that. Other, okay. what does the people just do? Just go to the beach and have beers and and go to football <laughs> games or whatever because. It's just the Latin way of being. You see, if you stay in home or whatever, you just get bored and, and no, that, I cannot do that because I go crazy. It's, it's always also a little bit of, of this Latin temperament and, and the way of living. You see, when you're stripped of every income, every dream, every future, the, le- the very least thing you have at least is a one beer with your friends. So I, get to- I, I totally get it, but it's also damaging us in these uh, tough times. Um, That's very different uh, in Germany because the people are very, very disciplined. If the the government says something, they do it, mostly of them. So it's very, very different.
1: I think there's an example, like the opposite example is India, you know, where lockdowns did cause a lot of, you know, smaller like you said in members of the informal economy yeah to lose any wealth they had and it caused obviously it caused a lot of disputes with the farmers that have come out of all of this yeah as a result of all this so i think you're you make a good point you know as far as how the economy functions you you clarify that a lot um that actually helped because yeah i've seen you know, we've seen in some developing countries where the lockdowns can go completely the wrong way, and they end up yep. leading to usually massive street protests because mm-hmm. everyone is even more poor than they started.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, what you see in in Germany, for example, is that the the petit, the petit bourgeois are getting to the streets, like the restaurant owners or or. or That's uh, how it is here too. Yeah, of course. Yeah that's the people who are getting the streets. You got the demonstrations of, of hundreds of people because they're pretty much like a gremium of, of rest, uh, restaurant owners and such.
2: And in America here, it's, it's particularly uh, galling uh, how COVID has kind of exposed how, you know, weak our healthcare system here is and, and the necessity for nationalized healthcare because there's, there's really no, when you have something like COVID of such an existential nature, um, there's really no way for, I mean, you have to have some kind of centralized economic bailout for something like this, because we, it's not just like people need unemployment insurance, they need a moratorium on uh, evictions and rent and stuff like that but yeah for for the entire in order for the all the economic supply chains and not just dry up we have to have money pumped into the system yep. and it's funny here our our petite bourgeoisie here that the same people saying oh wait you can't lock us down are the same people who are normally against um nationalized universal health care yeah and you would think that that would you, you would think that we would see this ideological shift and i do think we are going to see that by the end of this but you see the people who are in the streets who are most angry about this are the very people who are against uh you know kind of socialized medicine i i don't know if it's well if it's the same in 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 uh
1: in mexico but you know if they want to be able to exploit again
0: yeah well in mexico you get you get kind of like like the Something, something uh, related to um, now. The what is happening is like the the, the, the right wing opposition are getting into the into the wagon of uh, just yeah, we need uh, m- m- more lockdowns. We we need a, a hard hand, and we need this and we did. But they do it more into uh, in relationship to just to to try to. Um, to uh, portray the government actions and and, and management of the crisis as a bad one. It's not like they really suffer from it. They got all commodities at home and and, and which not they have a private uh, uh, healthcare programs and whatever. So it's more like a a opportunistic um, approach. The groups that are uh criticizing the government for for uh hard hitting the, the working class or whatever are more like the the ultra left the infantilistic left who are uh, for example i, I just, just read one article from the pcm the communist party of mexico one of them but they are the biggest and they 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 call themselves the communist party of mexico so they, they were saying something like in the lines of yeah uh obrador is just um uh looking up for the best option to buy vaccines on on the private market and and, and he's just trying to get the, the best uh investment in regards of just like doing the best business with someone or some enterprises. And I was like thinking to myself, What is the option what what are they thinking which country (laughs) they're thinking they're leaving mexico don't have any pharmacy industry of their own so host they're thinking that we're gonna get vaccines because we don't have any pharmacy industry so these people are just uh dealing with an idealistic approach uh in front of a, of a reality, of the complexities of realities and practicalities, that they just uh, subordinate the reality to the idealism. And that's just a self-serving discourse that that least you know work.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's, I mean, the, these this kind of situation, the COVID thing highlights why it is essential to have, uh, you know, essentially a, a healthcare system that is not for profit, that is not yeah you know, of course and and we're we're so there's not a a profit motive you know we're we're seeing what happens when there's no direct profit motive for these corporations we we have these big international pharmaceutical conglomerates that are producing vaccines but they're also getting bailed out and also you know i'm sure they're going to find a way to profit from this right i mean they're
0: doing it of course yeah, yeah. they
1: are i mean they're selling the vaccines to the federal government
0: yeah. Imagine imagine what are uh, what are uh, the African countries doing? They don't have a pharmacy in- industry by their own and they don't have the devices to buy those vaccine to concerns. They have to de- in themselves with uh, private enterprises, or just wait for the European Union or Americans to be so kind to get them in a program or whatever. So right. they will uh, also ask for political concessions. So if you don't have money in this world of privatizing healthcare, you're pretty much fucked.
2: Right. Yeah. That's when Africa is going to be probably one of the last continents to get vaccines, you're right to a very real extent. They could be conscripted into kind of like a new neo-colonial IMF that based yeah. around based around healthcare. Yeah.
0: If, and I wanted to make a point about the, the, the China approach and and, and and Russian approach, because the, you guys touched on them. Uh, and I think it's very important to clarify some, some things of it. Um, we're not fond of, of uh, Russian imperialism, if, if you can call it like that, or let's say Russian capitalism, uh, more than Amer- American one or, 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 or something like that. Um, but the thing is, it's very different, because uh, Russia uh, uh, enterprises doesn't don't don't put on, on on political conditions to you when they do business with you and as, as we don't like to pay for stuff or, for for uh, private concerns or, or whatever at least we just want to make a a, a deal a, a, I mean a tree, trade deal and not a political deal because whenever these um, uh, companies from America or, or the European Union want to want to do business with you they also want to do com- com- political conditions and 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 um any kind of, of uh in, in let's say um they they put on on a lot of, of stuff that that you have to apply or or to apply with them with the russians and chinese you only have to pay and that's the stuff i mean uh, that's the that's the difference here um they are very different approaches i, I mean i can of course they're they're looking to widen their market uh, influence and they try to expand their business and whatever and they will be glad to uh, exploit your working forces you left them but they're not trying to get rid of rid of your com or your com, um, government or or to uh pass a law in your in your parliament that allows them to buy all land in your country so i think there's no black and white in 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 this matters you 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 do have to see the the difference the, the little difference when it comes to the practicalities of governing a country and right. a very complex situation is
2: it, and, and that you said that's with Russia, I, I, that, that's, it's similar with, with Chinese imperialism too, correct?
0: Yeah, some people will call it imperialism, some people call right. it Russian imperialism. We have a lot of people that say here, a lot of Maoism people uh, in, the, in the Marxist-Leninist uh, uh, Communist Party in, in Germany, MLPD. They call it even Mexican imperialism. I don't know which Mexico are they well, talking hmm. about, but <laughs> they call it uh, Mexican imperialism. So you can, you can extend this argument in, in, in the kind of every country that do business with another country is just an imperialistic one because they're not sharing uh, their, their profits with you or they're not doing, doing giving you the things for free, but that's purely idealistic. If you think that the capitalistic, capitalistic country is gonna do that for you, you're just living in a world of dreams and you're not taking in account the practicalities is very different when a enterprise of, of, of American origins comes to your country demands uh, all natural resources and then put on a, on, a, on a American military base on on your back uh, front so you won't uh, you won't bother this company and 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 a difference with Russia which only bring your their, their engineers or whatever so I think uh, re- reality is very complicated, and you cannot see the world in black and white. And and if you see black and white, and and revisionists are these, and purists are there, uh, you have a problem or uh, idealistic approach.
1: But yeah, that's the one thing that a lot of left parties, obviously here, fail to grasp is we live in the real world, you know, and that's that's a big issue with. The left parties here. There's also neoliberalism here obviously takes its most disgusting form and commodifies basically any counter-cultural movement or anything like mm-hmm. that. And I you think, you know, I see a much more valid argument for a sort of a left, not necessarily a protectionism, but some type of manner of National interest and throwing off foreign interest. I don't, I don't necessarily see that being the best interest for the left in the U.S. But internationally, uh, leftists in the global South—that's definitely number one priority for an understandable reason. Yeah, you're right. So, well, I guess I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you have any predictions for this upcoming Biden Amlo reset? And then I guess we'll let you go here.
0: Yeah, I think. It's, it's very complicated, James. Because, some, like, like I said, a lot of something very funny. That uh, it was like the the right wing opposition in Mexico was uh, uh, just uh, messing around the whole time uh, and complaining about that. Amlo didn't uh, congratulate Biden on his win because he was waiting uh, the whole the whole uh, jurisdictional issue that Trump put on, and Amlo was waiting and a lot of the right-wing opposition was were predicting that Biden is going to take a revenge on this on this affront that, that AMLO right. didn't celebrate and congratulate him and I a lot of people will just say I don't think that Biden gives a shit <laughs> like, like who congratulates him or the main, main thing is that he's going to be the president and then he's going to take it from there and I, and I, I totally agree I guess what AMLO did or did not with Trump whatever we, we all know that Biden is just a puppet from the big cons, cons, concerns in America and whatever. So the relationship between AMLO and Biden is more like the relationship between the economy of Mexico with the big uh, business owners in America. And that's going to depend on, on, on which the conditions are in American economy and, and their needs and, and in this post-COVID world and such. So if, if AMLO can manage to stay out of trouble with, with the American policy of imperialism and just give some concessions where it's need and, and could be done without compromising Mexican sovereignty, it should be fine. It, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, that the American uh, rely on, on what you want or not, they will do it if they want to, but they also have the, to have the, the political conditions to do it, they, they just cannot afford, to make a mess. Uh, they're very weak. I think American imperialism is very weak now because of the, of the problems oh, that yeah. uh, Trump caused with, with their allies. So it. I think that's the, the, best, the best moment for Mexico, just to, to stay out of problems and to, to take care of their internal issues. And that's the main thing. I think that the, the biggest enemy in, in this transformation in Mexico, in this, in this uh, stance of this transformation, is the process itself. And, and by that, I re- I'm i referring to Morena party, the party of Obrador. Mm-hmm. Because Obrador let this party go too early. He just, um, he's like the leader, the moral leader, but he doesn't have much to do internally in terms of uh, controlling the party, like in the good old days from the pre will do. And that's kind of hurting Morena because Morena doesn't have any, um, program, like like a, a very strong ideology uh, to see yet. Right. And there are a lot of groups internally in Morena who are fighting with each other. Uh, there are also um, a neoliberalistic wing of the, of the party itself, which is very, very dangerous. And that's the kind of work that we, the party, Popular Socialist Party are, is doing, like uh, trying to get uh, these people uh, politicized and to, to protect this left wing of Morena's party and also trying to strengthen ourselves to be a force, force to be reckoned with uh, in in the near future. And I think that's something we have to take an account for. You guys in America who are not that deep into internal affairs in Mexico, you have to be aware that uh, Morena is in a a, a, a heterogeneous group. It's not a class party. Mm. It's more like a, a coalition front. Right. And uh, you you have a lot of all, all of, a lot of peoples there. And um. The problem is that the the ultra left uh, is um, very, very um, uh, close minded in this approach because they already um, took a conclusion. And instead of doing an analysis to get to a conclusion, they made a conclusion and they made an analysis just to rationalize this conclusion. So their analysis is, sorry, their conclusion is AMLO is just a social democrat piece of shit, fascist, who is militarizing the, the country. These, they're talking about all kinds of weird stuff about AMLO, and they they apply Marxist, Leninist under uh, uh, their, their clam uh, theory to rationalize this conclusion, and they will say class against class and this and that in a country that doesn't have the conditions of other countries, which which are clearly uh, like you say, James, uh, uh, the the prior priorities are the national liberation and such. But these these this, this, um, groups and parties, like the PCM, Communist Party of Mexico, um, are are doing just crazy analysis to uh, rationalize their conclusions, which, by the way, they took from other parties uh, i don't want to mention them but uh, other parties uh, uh, who support this um, this theory in, in, in the communist movement uh, worldly and uh, you can also put the, in the same back the, the zapatistas movement they also very kind to anarchism and and and, and right. communalism and they also taken a stand against obrador before they even began his government so it's very crazy Yeah, what's I, I remember that yeah, because you're getting into the middle. And of course, one of our parts, for example, our party is getting uh, trashed because we are revisionists and this and that. But uh, unfortunately, we like to keep ourselves in the reality, uh, in the real realm, <laughs> not in the, yeah. uh, in the hallucinations and, and, and um, I would say schizophrenia of some other groups out there.
1: Well, that part is very relatable the United States. I bet so, you know what that means, yeah, right? Yeah. The, the ultras here are very similar. You know, there is no quarter, even a vote for Bernie you know, without doing anything for him. Even a vote for Bernie Sanders was yeah. crossing it's, a line.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And, the, and the bad thing is the, the little support that you will get from people that are not politicized. Not everyone in their in their crazy mind, everyone knows about Marxism everyone should know, notice the difference. Yeah, here, the nobody knows
1: about anything.
0: Yeah. And, and in America, nobody knows about anything because it's a very depoliticized society. And I'm sorry to tell it, but it's it's, it no, it's perceived that way.
1: There's no class Mexico, consciousness.
0: Right. And in Mexico, we lack that. Of course, we lack that a lot. Not that much like in America, maybe, or because we don't we, we're not suffering that much of an anti-communist that was uh, yeah. that was in your in your in your mind for like seventy years.
1: Everything.
0: Yeah, but we do have our problems, and if you scared people, because some of my friends, for example, I was talking about neoliberalism in in, in back in high school, and they were telling me, "You're crazy, you're the fucking uh, lunatic, left wing, blah blah blah." And now these guys are thirty. And they are the most Amlo fans ever. I have sometimes I have to back them down and say, "Guys, this guy is not socialist. No, he's going to change the country." And I mean, if you scare away these guys, telling them that Amlo is a fucking social democrat, he's a fascist, he's this and that, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, are you crazy? I mean, and these guys will do that. Will do that.
1: Better to have your best interests at heart than the worst, you know, yeah. sectors of capital running things again. Of course. But yeah I, jake did you have anything you want to wrap up with? um no i know i i i
2: i was uh no i i think i'm i'm good I, Go I, I i was that was interesting uh thank you for thank you for coming on arturo
0: no thank you Jake. It was uh, it was a pleasure uh, whenever you guys feel like uh, we could talk about some some other issues just uh,
1: uh throw yeah. me a line yeah, I we'll would do. definitely like to have you back about Germany and some other stuff. Yeah,
0: man. we'll do, so man. Definitely.
1: That sounds Glad great. Thank you yeah. for coming on, and we'll yeah, talk to you I'll again soon.
0: Been, <laughs> All
2: right. Thank you. See ya.
1: So that was our interview with my friend Arturo. Um, I think that was very interesting. Um, yeah, for a fucking neighbor to the south that I don't know shit about really, especially internal politics. It's very hard to follow. I know more about Canadian internal politics than I do Mexico, unfortunately. Um, so that was an interesting take. I don't know. What did you think?
2: Yeah, no, I thought it was fascinating. I mean, I, I like. I know even less than you about uh, Mexico and uh, you know any kind of uh, anti-imperialist uh, politics down there and you know what's going on uh, politically, uh, you know post post election, post getting Biden in there. It's gonna yeah. be interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think you know, yeah, I mean these these are the kind of issues that a lot of you know, a lot of people that have been suddenly into politics a lot the last couple of years because of Trump, they, they find this stuff kind of boring. Uh, but this is really, you know, this is the thick of the issue here. If, if we're going to talk about, you know, making the system here work better, people need to understand what's going on internationally. Uh, and and I, so I think it's important to have people. I like think our- that,
1: yeah, I think the discussions about like realism, you know, political realism, which I've discussed with you as far as the United States is concerned, and the talks about like um, the differences in the COVID response were interesting, and the explanation for it, you know, because yeah. it's not it's not a perspective you'd consider.
2: Well, and COVID is just an interesting issue in general to talk about because, like he was saying, how you don't want to look at things in black and white. Right. With COVID, you really can't look at things in black and white. It's an incredibly complex global situation. Um, and, yeah, and a giant political game. A political game, lots of gamesmanship going on and in, in, in political one-upsmanship and whatnot. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like I, I, just, I think COVID is very uh, fascinating and relevant in terms of even what we're doing here because I, I think to a very real extent, what's going on with COVID and the aftermath of it is going to completely recontextualize the idea of, of, of national healthcare and even things like universal basic income. I think the the stigmatization behind some of that stuff is going to wear pretty, pretty thin by the end of this. And it's going to be obvious that we need a nationalized infrastructure for dealing with some of these things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, That was it. It's a good discussion about like what neoliberalism has done to Mexico too, because people the the conversation here is always framed as, oh, they took the fucking car jobs, you know. Yeah, it's never talked about like what it's done to the Mexican economy. As he was explaining, like the total gutting of the healthcare system, so it looks like something from the United States. Um. Just the massive privatization of formerly state-owned industries. Like, those are the kind of things the liberals are trying to do here, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what, like, Uber is. I mean, that's what Amazon's storing all the NSA data is. Mm -hmm. That is a similar thing to what's happening there, although it's just been done at a much more rapid pace there thanks to American influence corruption. Right. But But, uh... yeah. So yeah, no, that was a good talk. I want to, I want to have, I'm glad you
2: got him on. I want definitely want to have more, more people with his perspective on. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we're going to be talking more and more about this stuff. I mean, we're going to try and keep it spicy, probably intermix in some, some uh, you know, uh, more, more kind of zany fun stuff. Like, you know, I think we're talking about doing a, uh, an episode on that weird case where with the, with the, the one-on guy who ends up killing a mob boss, <laughs>
0: which
2: is pretty, I, I think that'd be fun to do a, a deep dive into that.
1: Yeah, we got to start putting together as much stuff as we can find on this guy.
2: Yeah, I started looking into it and it's 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 such a difficult, it's so difficult to get information on it. One, because it's, a, it's an active case. So uh, law right. enforcement isn't releasing very much stuff except what it will come out through court. And, and and there'll probably be a plea deal on that uh but then also on the other side of it the guy who died is, is was literally a mob boss and, and was a fucking part of the gambino crime family yeah, Gambino. very difficult to find real information out there on on the inner workings of the mob and to be honest from what i've read it doesn't sound like there was any connection it doesn't sound no. like the guy who killed him even knew that the guy was a mob boss. Can you imagine? You are just you just screw up and, and kill someone, but you find out you killed a mob boss. I mean, there's no way this guy is going to survive in, uh, you
1: know, more than a few years. I, in I wasn't clear if he knew he was a mob boss and somehow got like he was connected. I, was the only, like I, I've you. heard
2: a number of things. I heard that he might have been obsessed with the guy's daughter or something.
1: Okay. Well, uh, I'll have to look more into and,
2: it. But yeah. I don't think they, right now, from what I've heard, it doesn't sound like it had anything to do with mob connections.
1: Like, no, no, that I will say it did not. It was, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, it, it, it was a Q guy who
2: somehow targeted this dude. Two very strange worlds colliding. In that yeah. Mob.
1: That's why it'd be a cool one. And we'll try and figure out where this asshole is. So. But, uh, all right, man. I know it's early in Portland, <laughs> so I'm going to let you go. All right, we'll be back next week. Um, I will be on the Twitch and discord a bit this weekend, probably.
2: Yeah. And we got our Twitter account up and running. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to start adding more to that.
1: So follow us on Twitter, left is dead one. And, uh, and obviously find us on Facebook, message us if you have any guest suggestions, or email us at the left is dead420. And we will be back next week with my least favorite, favorite Trotskyist. So <laughs> nice. that'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back. and, I it end, the station, and talk about the Iraqis.